Hello, everybody. You're listening to another episode of the Real Life Oscars Challenge with me, Mike Levito, and my sister, Kathleen Levito. Hi. And my roommate, Lars Emerson. That's me. Yeah. Um, the what year. Suspenseful, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I, Mike forgot what the podcast was called for a second. I kind of did. I was like, I don't want to stumble over the title of my podcast. That would be bad. Um, I feel like this is going to be a rough episode in some ways. Yeah, shitty year because it was a rough year. Which we'll get to. And also because, like, we started this, like, a month ago watching these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for various reasons, haven't been able to record or watch them in, like, a timely fashion. Which is fine. Right. I think, But I think it'll be an interesting episode for that reason as well. Um, the what? year was 1996. The Chicago Bulls set an NBA record by winning 72 games in the regular season. Bill Clinton defeated Bob Dole to win his second term as yes. president of the United States. But most importantly, mm. and most impactful to this world we live in, Kathleen Levito was born. That I was. Yeah. Pi Day, nonetheless. Yes, on March 14th. Um, and also, some movies came out. And some of those movies were not made for awards. Some of them were not made for the Oscar for Best Picture. What were those movies, you ask? Well, they were... they were undeserving of the title. (laughs) They were The English Patient, Fargo, Jerry Maguire, (laughs) Secrets and Lies, Secrets and Lies, and Shine. And we're going to talk about them right here, right now. And we're going to start with The English Patient. Lars, would you like to start? (laughs) Boy, would I. Oh, well, let me start. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't give any of the details about The English Patient first. Oh. Um, it's directed by Anthony Minghella. It was written by Anthony Minghella. It's based off of a book by Michael Ondaatje, or however you pronounce his name. I don't know. It's weird in Dutch. Um, it stars Ray Fiennes, Juliette Binoche, Willem Dafoe, Kristen Scott Thomas. I have a question. Is it Ray Fiennes or Ralph Fiennes? It's Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Oh, Ray it's spelled Ralph, but it's pronounced Rafe. Oh, okay. I don't know why. It's very pretentious. I thought his it last was name just Fine. I thought it was Fines. There's an S at the end. end. Yeah, but it's pronounced Fine. I assumed it was Fines. His name is I'm Googling this. Anyway, uh, Naveen Andrews, Colin Firth, Julian Wadham, and Jurgen Prochnow. Also, in it. I couldn't tell you who those last two people play, though. Um, so this movie... <laughs> it'll be reflect... Oh, I bet one of them is the guy who dies. Well, a lot of people die in this movie. Basically... Uh, so this, this like Canadian, um, medical team during World War II ended up picking up this guy who's just got burns all over his body. He's also got amnesia and they say, call him the English patient because they assume he's English because of the way he speaks. And, uh, this, the Canadians have landed in Italy. They're making their way up, their way up towards Germany. And, um, there's a couple, there's been a couple attacks on their caravan and this guy who's all burned is really not doing well. So Juliette Binoche, who plays a nurse, it's like, hey, we're going to post up in this abandoned church, monastery, something or other, and I'm going to nurse him back to health. Um, and while she does that, he tells the sob story of his life, where he was a cartographer for, like, the Royal Cartography Association or something, um, where basically they just flew around the deserts of North Africa making maps, and... Um, 
one of these men brings his wife, played by Kristen Scott Thomas. Um, she and Ray Fiennes fall in love, um, but it's a forbidden love because she's married. Um, and they then, don't really care about no. to be real. And like Willem Dafoe shows up and he's real angry at this guy. And then Naveen Andrews plays this guy who like diffuses undetonated bombs and he and Julie Benoist kind of start up a thing, which is kind of a spoiler alert, but whatever. Um, and it's just, uh, it goes on and on and on like that. Lars, what did you think of this? I'm movie? bored already. Um, well, let's start with what I liked. Ray Fiennes. I liked him. He's good. Except when he's like burned. <laughs> I don't like him when he's burned. I like him when he's handsome. <laughs> That's what I liked about the movie. What else did I like? Nothing. Okay, <laughs> moving on. What did I not like? Good question. It's three hours long. Why? It's not three hours long. Why it's two it hours and 42. Oh, excuse me. I'm glad it didn't waste the, 18 more you, minutes. You ought, but the thing is, you think every movie is three hours long. You were literally like, isn't Quiz Show three hours long? It's two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> it's almost three hours long. Why? It doesn't need to be that long. It's it really about doesn't. this guy. <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, what else did I not like? Everything. Um, dumb. The characters are dumb. I don't like the characters. The only, like, good character is Ray Fiennes only when he's handsome. But and, even then, and, and even then, he's, like, the bad guy. It's not, it's not fun. It's just an Indiana Jones ripoff at one point, kind of throughout. That's all. <laughs> it's not an Indiana Jones ripoff. It's about an explorer yeah. who takes his shirt off and is very handsome, who and, crashes in a plane. And who collaborates with the Nazis. That's, yes. that's different. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that ending was just like... Yeah. We'll get to that later. Kathleen, what do you think of this movie? Um, I mostly suck at everything Lara says. I must say, Rafe... Fine. It is pronounced Fines, by the way. It His is. full name yeah. is Wraith Nathaniel Twizzlington Wick- Wickham Fines. Sorry, did you say Twizzlington? <laughs> Twizzleton. T W I S L E T O N. Jesus. Wickham Fines. Wickham? Wycom, Wykeham? Wycom. W Y K E H A M. Wycom. Christ. Can you imagine growing up? With that name? Wickham, get over here. Apparently, their, their family has its own Wikipedia page, but go on, Kathleen. Um. Nothing to say after that. Um, yeah, basically, it's just this bird guy being like really nostalgic, and this nurse just living her. The nurse was like pleasant. Uh, she was unnecessary. Is the thing I didn't like anything about her storyline. Really. Oh yeah, her storyline was awful. Everyone she like, loves dies. Yeah, and she she literally says that though. Yeah, it's like she like literally bombs up and kills some dude. She's and then her into... friend, like, she has another nurse friend who dies, like, instantly. Oh, yeah. And then she... I didn't realize she died. But... She's in a car crash. Yeah, she died. Because... Oh. Okay. Well, go on. I like the, um... The, the Indian guy? He's Indian. Yeah, yeah he's... he's, he's in yeah. He's nice. Kip. Kip. Yeah, Kip's Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think he's my favorite him. character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets away at the end, so good for him. Yeah. Um, Makes it all he gets right. away, it means, like, he goes on and lives his life. Unhindered yeah. by... And Juliet Binoche follows him. Does she? Mm. Yeah. Because it's like... Because um, at the end, Willem Dafoe's like, hey, we're going up to... Because K-1000 
Kip is like, oh, they're sending me to Naples or something, like, or Florence. And then Willem Dafoe's like, oh, hey, this group of people is going to Florence. We should go with them. Anyway. Otherwise, there was zero chemistry between the English patient and the chick. What's her name? I don't remember the character's Catherine? name. Honestly, it's Catherine. It is Catherine, yes. Um, was there supposed to be chemistry? They had a lot of sex. Wait, what? Not the oh, nurse. Oh, not the nurse. <laughs> I was like, wow. I dozed off for that part. <laughs> Jesus, he's a burn victim. He can still love. Yeah, okay, but they they do talk about that in the movie, do they not? There's like a whole... There's some... There's a I, point I where he it. says... It's a long movie. Yeah. Right? I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of... I'm just, done. I, I I'm really done. I'm done with my thoughts. Michael, take it away. Yeah, this movie's really dumb. I don't like this movie at all. Um, I So here's my thing about this movie, is that I... I, I my letterbox review, I kind of compare it to Casablanca, right? Because it takes place in kind of a similar... Was, era. Sorry, it was really pretty. It was, yeah, it, it, it was pretty pretty. I see, okay, that's the thing. I thought this looked kind of bad. Yeah, I didn't like the effects. I thought, like, and the, the weird thing is apparently this was all shot on location. I thought the desert looked terrible. Oh, I not, thought it or, nice. There were parts of it that looked terrible. I mean, it's the desert. Like, it's not gonna... And maybe it's just how the desert the looks. The part with the plane and the, like, yeah, desert. Yeah, I, I like thought it looked... deeper. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, and then yeah, the looks, effects do not look good. The makeup... It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, the makeup's terrible. Yeah. Okay, mostly I like the color scheme. But like yeah. the the like when they're in Italy, it looks fine. Um, when they're <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Just there's okay. We'll get to that. Soon. <laughs> but um, so, <laughs> so okay, we have to get to it now. But basically, yeah, it's so good. This, so I. That this was, I think, was like the part where I was like, "All right, I'm officially done with this movie." Because it was such <laughs> like a two thirds through. It's yeah, two thirds of the way through. We're hearing this guy's sob story. We hear everyone else's sob story. He's just and and then the Germans. <laughs> okay, this, I okay. So, like we said, Julie Pinoche, everyone she loves dies, and she falls in love with Kip, who is this Indian British um, mind. Well, yeah, um, there's, there's an official name for it, but he diffuses the mines. He diffuses mines and like bombs that were dropped but weren't detonated. And one day, it's like um, he's like, "Hey, I got to go defuse this bomb near this bridge." And she's like, "No, don't go. You're gonna die because we just had sex, and that was happens. Like I'm cursed, apparently." And he's like, "No, I got to go do it. it's my job." And so he goes and he jumps down in this ditch and he's trying to defuse it and like. He can't. He like he drops his tools in the water. Something happens. All of a sudden, these American tanks are rumbling and the bridge is shaking. And he's like, "Oh no, it's going to start the bomb." Blah blah blah. And then the, like, it's just these Americans are just like so happy, and they're just like, "Yeah!" And and and, and like the, the his like his his like partner like goes up and starts like, "No, no, stop, stop! You're going to crush this dude." Um, he ends up not dying. He cuts the right wire. They're like, "What are you guys doing on this bridge?" And he's like, "Germany surrendered." Everyone loses it. They're also happy, which, you know, understandable. Um, (laughs) But the way they celebrate is like this sort of like merry band of outcasts that have become friends, like run into um, the room that the English patient is in. And they're like, they surrendered, and they, they pick up his stretcher, and it's raining outside, and they go outside so he can, like, feel the rain on his face, because he talks about wanting to feel the rain. And they, but they just kind of, like, are really happy, just, like, run him around the garden, and then they bring him in, and they're dancing to, like, record music, and he's watching them dance. 
Woods. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It needs that, like, what is that song? His arm is stretched. Yeah, his arm is just kind of, like, moving lightly to the beat. <laughs> It's, it's so awkward. It's so weird. Like <laughs> it does not fit into the rest of the film. No, it's it needs that like music that's like da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like the Benny Hill theme. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. What, I, what I was going, what I was going to say is that like so it reminds me kind of Casablanca, where it's like Casablanca it takes place in the same kind of era and all that. But like, and they're both like romances, but like. The thing about Casablanca is that it's about a guy who's really in love with someone and he has to kind of choose between like um, being selfish and like sort of like preserving his love and relationship or he or like doing like the quote unquote right thing, which was the right thing, which was like get her to Czechoslovakia or get her and her partner who's leader of the Czech resistance uh, out of the clutches of the Nazis. And so it's a very sort of like, you know, heroic sort of optimistic sort of thing. Whereas the English patient's incredibly cynical because Ray finds his character is such a dick. Yeah. He's the worst ever. Like he starts this affair with this married woman, which happens, but, um, he eventually she's kind of like, Hey, we shouldn't do this anymore. And he gets so pissy about it and so upset, which I get. But at the same time, man, it's like she's married. Like, she's not in it for the long haul. Like, he's just such, like, a a jerk about it. And he's just so woe is me whiny about it. And what happens is, is that um, he basically... He's he's gonna leave. I, I don't even remember what the hell's happening. It's this is towards the end where he's yeah. he's telling <laughs> everyone checks out. He's telling the end of his story, and he's like, because he's going to stay in Africa to finish the the map making. Everyone else is leaving because of the war, and um, Colin Firth, who is married to Kristen Scott Thomas, who is the one he's having an affair with. I forgot Colin Firth was in Right. He he's a pilot, and he's coming to go pick him up, basically. Um, but he knows that he is that they're having an affair, so he tries to like kamikaze um, oh, yeah. Ray oh, Fines. I thought he just wasn't. No, there. he's trying to like kill him, and he ends up crashing and dying, and um, mortally wounding Kristen Scott Thomas. And Ray Fines is all upset, and he picks her up and he brings her to this, the cave of swimmers that they like discovered, and um, he he lays her down, and. Uh, he goes to get help. He goes to, like, a British army outpost. He has a Hungarian last name, so they think he's a Nazi. Um, they, like, beat him up. They put him in, like, this prisoner train. He gets out. Um, and then he ends up finding, like, a German army outpost. Literally gives them his maps of, like, of the African desert to the Nazis so he can get a plane to go basically just pick up the body of Kristen Salamis, who's died at this point. And it's just, like, it is so cynical and so self-serving because this dude... He loves her. I get that, but also, like, it's the Nazis, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but, no, no. It's, they lost the war. 
It's all right. I I don't know. I just th- I just thought it was very cynical, and also like their relationship sucked. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's like when when he's carrying her through the desert, she's wearing this necklace that he bought. He's like, "You're still wearing the necklace," and she's like, "Of course, I always loved you." And then he starts bawling his eyes out, yeah, and Lars liter- Lars literally went. I feel like I should be feeling something now. <laughs> it's like the music like swells. It's like the emotional moment of the film and like you just feel nothing. Yeah. It's, it's just, just so flat. It's just not good. It's just... Yeah, it, it's flat. It's just so overstuffed and overblown. And the other thing about this movie too, Willem Dafoe yeah. <laughs> plays a Canadian spy named Moose who gets both of his thumbs cut off and this movie somehow makes that boring. Him. Like... That that's like an that's a movie in and of itself, but that 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 it's he just evolves to show up, basically reveal the real name of Ray Fiennes, and blames him for the death of some people. Um, I forgot about him and all that. I, it and also just like the it's just like a so I, I think there's I just might not I just might not like romance movies. Like that's definitely a possibility. I also just think it's. No, but the theme of this podcast. Like, I don't like epic romances. I guess I just feel like the romance in this was just not good. Like even the one romance I did like, which was between Julia Pinochet and Vian Andrews, it's just so cliche well, I and dumb. Like they weren't necessary. Yeah, and it's like, but it's like, it's like he he leaves out those like shells with the lights, and she follows them to like oh, the barn. Like, just like, oh god, like who fucking wrote this and was like, this is a this is a good movie, like it. It's just the it's just so goopy and sappy and just like gross. I it it's just so it's just so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that about sums it up. Like any other thoughts? No. That's kinda like all I had to say. Um This movie though was nominated and won like everything. Um it won best editing, which I was reading, apparently, that there's, like, over a hundred, like, temporal changes in this movie. Like, there's over a hundred changes in, like, time frame because of all, like, the flashbacks and oh. stuff. So, like, that's maybe warranted. Uh, it won for Best Costume. It won for Best Cinematography. It won for Best Art Direction. It won for Best Sound. It won for Best Dramatic Score. It was nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Juliette Binoche won for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Ray Fine was nominated for Best Actor. Anthony McCalla won Best Director and a won Best Picture. It didn't win Best Makeup? It was not even nominated. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. The one thing they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll draw a line here. Moving on. The next movie is Fargo. That was almost as long as The English Patient. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought we were just going to be like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, uh, Fargo. Directed by Joel Cohen. Written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Also known as the Cohen Brothers. Starring Francis McDormand, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Harv Presnell, Peter Stormare. Uh, Fargo is about this guy, played by William H. Macy, who hires two hitmen, basically, to kidnap his wife so that he can charge his father-in-law a ransom, and then he gets a cut of the ransom. So he can buy like a parking lot, basically. Um, he wants to buy like a, like some plot of like a, like a lot, so he can like invest in it. Um, and so they kidnap his wife, but things go wrong on the way to the cabin. They're gonna hold her on. Some people die, and it attracts the attention of 
um, Marge Gunderson, who is the police chief of the town in Minnesota that it takes place in. Called Fargo. It's not called Fargo. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Um, that's the irony. None of the stuff actually takes... Oh, Brainerd. Nothing actually takes place in Fargo in this movie. Oh. Um, but they're, the, but Steve Buscemi and the other guy are from Fargo. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so she starts investigating it. And she's investigating it. They're trying to, like, get away. And uh, William H. Mace is trying to, like... Basically, it. what I like about this movie is, like, it, it, it you know... It's like a fake kidnapping that becomes a real kidnapping. But we can talk about that more later. Kathleen, this is your first time seeing this movie? Yeah. What did you think? It was also a month ago. It was. So, do I remember a lot of it? Let me be honest. No. That being said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm bad with, like, anything that has an intense plot. So I didn't actually know what was going on throughout. Like, I didn't know when one was kidnapped. I missed out on all of that until the end. Um, but I think... Despite that, I really enjoyed the movie, which I think speaks to every other aspect of the movie. Like, the characters are really engaging. Um, who's the really creepy one? Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi. He's, like, so cool. <laughs> no, he's, he's amazing. In this movie. Um, I loved... How do you say... I can't do... I, want, I wish I could do an accent so I could say Marge in the accent. Marge. Marge can do it. Oh, Marge. Yeah. <laughs> Margie. Like, she's such a great character Mm -hmm. um she was acted so well there's like this sense of like innocence about her but she's a police chief she's she's pregnant the entire time so there is the sense of just like why are you doing any of this like this is really dangerous but she's so she's i feel like this is a cop movie about not a not a real like all all cop movies are about these really intense people Mm -hmm. and she's just like a family woman you know but she, like, knows what she's doing. I think the coolest scene is at the end when, I guess, she... Wasn't Steve Buscemi she catches on the ice? No, it's the other guy. The other guy. grinding up Steve Buscemi in a wood river. Oh, yeah, that was really screwed up. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't expect that scene. Um, but I think when she, like, catches him and she gets, like, into intense cop mode was that, like, you see, like, her true colors. Um, because it is, like, with the accents and everything, everything seems very goofy. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like... A crime, and then she meets her. Like I don't know, you just have these kooky side notes too, where she meets like an old friend from school. Yeah, um, I enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny that that's the Mike Yanagita scene where she meets them is like a source of debate because some people like are like, is this an integral to the plot or is it just a diversion? Some people think it's sort of like her way of running. Is like, oh, all, all these people are not on like the up and up, and like that's what causes her to go back to William H Macy. Mm-hmm. You betcha. What, what do you... Lars. Uh, this is the like, best movie from this year for yeah, sure yeah. by like a long shot. Uh, not even close. Um, yeah, I think Fargo might be like the best or the second best film we've watched so far, period. I, I agree. Um, it's, it's just really good. Like, I, the, my, my thing with the Coen brothers is they are just so good at taking the most like meaningless and, like, tedious conversation and making it way more interesting than, like, anything could ever have been. And it's, like, in this film, there's, like, so many examples of, you know, when Steve Buscemi has to pay a parking ticket. <laughs> or it's, like, and it's, like, it's just, like, or um, when she goes in to interview William H. Macy, it's just, like, so riveting to just watch characters talk 
I, I don't know how the Coen brothers do it. It's just like very interesting. Yeah. It's it's and I feel like there's also just like a lot going on in this movie too, even though it's like pretty short and it's I, I feel like there's sort of like a lot of like sort of like being like a nice Minnesotan and like there's also I feel like stuff about like masculinity where it's like William H. Macy is trying to like prove to like his hockey loving father in law that he can sort of like, you know, make money and stuff and it's just really well made. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like what I love about the plot is that like it starts out where William H. Macy has this plan, everyone's like, This seems like a really stupid plan. Like it's not like a genius heist. We're just like, no. You see what actually it's like a guy was explaining like a uh, like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Which is like, no, what happens is is you kidnap my wife and I know about it, so I make money off of it too. But like we're literally just kidnapping her to get money so I can get it. And it's just like that just doesn't make any sense. But then it turns into like a real kidnapping because at some point they're on the phone and it's like, yeah, look, we actually killed people and like stuff is like getting real. So like we actually need you to give us the money now. Like it becomes like an act like an actual sort of like tense situation. Um, and yeah, it's like there is like a sort of um, yeah, like, like a, a, a wholesomeness in a way to it where it's like this is like it takes place in sort of like a very like violent and chaotic world but it's like the gundersons are just such like nice people and like but her husband is like just concerned about you know winning the like duck painting competition mm. and like winning the stamp contract oh what made me so happy is when she has to get up really early and he's like i'll make you breakfast yeah. and she's like you don't even make it it's so early you don't even make breakfast. he's like oh, i'll make you breakfast mm. Because, yeah. I feel like I was reading something where it was like he's the only upstanding like male character in the movie. That's not entirely true, but like where he's father-in-law. But he's kind of like a jerk. Yeah, because he just he's just kind of like oh yeah, like I'll give you a finder's fee for this like lot you found, but we're not actually going to let you invest in it too. I think it's kind of the point. And like there's the cop that Marge works with who's like fine. What about the guy who's by the pond? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's my favorite part of the movie yeah. when he explains the interaction with Steve Buscemi, and he's like, "He called me a jerk, but he didn't say jerk, you know." <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's weird. It's so good, and I really, really do love this movie, but I really don't have that much to say about it. Yeah, it's sort of just like a. I mean, it's short. It's just like a. It's it's just like an item. Yeah, and it's, yeah. like, it's also just kind of, like, they kind of do everything right in it, where it's, like, the story's really good, the characters are really good, the dialogue is really good, the cinematography is, like, really good. Just, like, more stuff needs to be filmed on, like, really white, like, mm-hmm. snow stuff, and it just, yeah, it's just, like, this this tale of, like, the, the American plains and... Yeah, just just really, really well done. I I have no qualms. Five stars all the way. Yeah, def- definitely five stars for me. Yeah. I concur. Cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Fargo. It was nominated for a bunch of stuff too. Uh, <laughs> it was nominated for editing, nominated for cinematography, one original screenplay. William H Macy was nominated for best supporting actor. Frances McDormand won for best actress. Um. Fun fact, she would win again this year. Um, and then... Whoa. Yeah. It was... Uh, Joel Cohen was nominated for Best Director and was nominated for Best Picture. Let's move on now to Jerry Maguire. 
Uh, Lawrence McGuire. <laughs> so pumped. Directed by Cameron Crowe, written by Cameron Crowe, starring Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger, Kelly Preston, Jerry O'Connell, Jay Moore, and Bonnie Hunt. So this is a movie about a guy who's a sports agent, and you know, What's his, his name? His name's Jerry McGuire. <laughs> He's like a hotshot sports agent. And um, <laughs> Jerome McGuire. Um, no, he's a hot spot, shot sports agent. Um, he's all about getting that money. And then one day, uh, one of his clients, who was a hockey player, ends up really badly injured. He's like concussed. He's in a neck brace and everything. He's in the hospital. And he's visiting his client in the hospital. And as he's leaving, uh, his this player's son is like, hey, this is like my dad's fifth concussion. This is really bad. Like, what was going to happen? And you're just kind of like, ah, oh, man, like, no one can hold your dad back. Like, he'll get on back on the ice in no time. And the kid flips him off and tells him to go screw himself. Um, and he's like, whoa. And then he has, like, a mental breakdown. <laughs> and at uh, he goes to, like, this conference for sports agents. Or it's like, a, it's like a corporate retreat for his agency. And he ends up writing a manifesto, basically. A screed. A screed. <laughs> I prefer Manifesto, about, like, how the company should have less clients, make less money, but they should give more personal attention to their clients, really invest in their lives, and sort of, like, really care about their best interests. And then he gets fired for doing that. Um, and as he's... And he's going crazy. And he's, he's also, like, losing his mind. And as he leaves, he's like, all right, who wants to join me? Because I'm going to start my own thing. And Ernest Lower is like, I'll join you, because she's into him and inspired by him. And he's like, okay, so it's just them. And they only hold on to one of his old clients, by the Cuba Gooding Jr., who plays Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Rod Tidwell, um, who's looking for, like, the last contract of his career and who really wants to stay in Arizona. Um, and it's about him sort of falling in love with Renee Zellweger and trying – and the bromance between him and Rod Tidwell and trying to get Rod Tidwell his last contract. Uh, Kathleen, you liked this movie. <laughs> I think this movie is really summed up by the facial expression that my coworker gave me when I told you I watched this, and it was just this slowly forming grimace, and that's truly how I feel about this movie. I disliked everything about it except the bromance, and mostly the bromance was carried by Rod, is his name, correct? Yeah. Jerry McGuire did nothing for that romance. So basically, I just like Rod and his wife. Um, I thought Jerry Maguire's character was fucking crazy. Which he's supposed to be. But I think his flip turn of like, all of a sudden I'm going to be like the messiah of, you know, whatever, was weird and out of place. And even though the entire movie is based on that, and maybe that's the point. It's supposed to be like, you're not supposed to know what's going on, but mm-hmm. I didn't like it. It's very abrupt. It's very abrupt. I, and it's like, you don't even get the like the feel of the movie before that twist. And then I feel like and it doesn't have, the movie doesn't have a like consistent tone afterwards. Mm-hmm. What, what I will say is what I kind of like about that is I feel like a lot of movies are about like the breakdown and revelation, but not about what happens when you actually break down mm-hmm. and then... So it's like about the aftermath of that, but yeah. go on. Um, so the Renee Zellweger, I don't remember what her name is. Debbie, something like <laughs> Phoebe, Marvel, um, Dorothy. Dorothy, thank you. She's in love with him for the stupidest. Like, she's out of her mind. 
Whoa. She falls in love with his writing. She knows nothing about him. Um, he decides to marry her. To, oh, that's a whole other thing. There's apparently, there's this part of the movie, apparently, this, like, plot line, that is, he's such, he's such a good friend, but he's not a good romantic yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. And he can't, but yet, he can't be alone. You get no sense of that in the movie, except what everyone's telling you. And they have this whole scene, because he's going to get married at the beginning of the movie, they have this whole scene, it's his bachelor party, and they play this video of all of his exes saying the same exact thing, like, he can't be alone, he can't be alone. And then you just forget about it until the end of the movie when Dorothy brings it back up again. And you're like, don't be with him. You have a son. It's like, go take care of your son. Like, oh, God, I hate it so much. Oh, I hate the kid. <laughs> Why do you bring up the kid? I hate it. Um, Played by then, Jonathan Lipnicki. Um, really? The yeah, only person with yeah. a sense of conviction was... The only person who grew in this movie was Rod. No one else grew, I felt. Um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is great in this movie. Really? Yeah. I mean, he plays a insane person well. Right? <laughs> it's not a lot of practice. <laughs> I wonder what that is. I'm, I'm done talking. Somebody else take it. Well, what did you think of this movie, Lars? Um, I thought Tom Cruise was good. It's kind of about it. I hated the kid. I hate the child so <laughs> Every much. time he was on screen. <sighs> uh, it's gross. It's just a gross little child. Um, but it's hard to find a good child actor. But you yeah, don't this, want this child actor was like... I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Cruise is good. Cuba Gooding Jr. is good. Oh, is that, oh, you got that name. Other than that... I don't, my thing with this movie is I don't understand why it was nominated. It's a weird movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. It's like a rom-com. This is like, there was like, sort of like, this hasn't really, well, it's become sort of more and more relevant as more movies have been nominated, because now there's like, you know, you can nominate ten movies, but back in the day, there used to be this sort of philosophy that it's like, there's like the people spot. Like, the people get, a, like, you know, there's like, they choose like a populist sort of popular movie to pick one spot in, like, the, the ballot. Um, and so, like, 1994 is, like, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, 1995, I don't even remember the hell it was nominated. I don't know. But, like, you know. But it's, but it's like, in, in, like, in 1981, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the people's choice. In 77, it it, or 76, it was Star Wars. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, so I think, I feel like this was probably, like, the most popular of the movies that came out that year and this was like the people's choice babe right babe was probably the people's choice there was like no this is my thing to the no consistent tone sorry i cut you off but it just made me remember i just remembered this like so there's this bromance between him and rod but at they start fighting Mm -hmm. and there's a point where rod's like well you know what i don't want to talk to you anymore and you think it's gonna be this turning point of like oh something's gonna no the next scene they're eating crabs together like, there's, the movie couldn't decide what it wanted any of its relationships to be. Hated it. And I hated the scene where Jerry Maguire and Dorothy go on a date, and then they go back to her house, and it's this awkward scene of him, like, kissing her shoulders, and it goes on for way too long. Oh, shit. And he, weird. like, rips her dress. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> He's like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thought those movies. Okay, I so I don't really like. Cam- I've only seen two Cameron Crowe movies. 
I don't really think I like Cameron Crowe that much. He just kind of like it, the other almost famous. Um, it's just like very. I hate the way he writes relationships, and I hate the way he writes women. I think that's it. Yeah, um, Ren- yeah. Dorothy Renee, whatever did I th- have. I think it's actually all like condescending how he writes women, mm-hmm. and he also kind of write. I also just think that he writes relationships like a fourteen-year-old. Um, it, I like the one thing I keep thinking of is when they when Tom Cruise proposes to Renee Zellweger, and they're like at the moving truck, and Renee Zellweger's sister is like watching through the window. She's like, "Just get back in the car. Just get back in the car." And I'm like, "That's people don't talk like that." Like, it's just like it, who are you talking to? It, just like the way it was written and like delivered, it just really just it felt really just fake and like. Overly yeah. quippy, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, it. Yeah, I I don't know. And like the most famous part of this movie is when he comes back and he goes, "You complete me," and then she goes, "Stop! You had me at hello." And I'm like, really? You couldn't cut one of those two lines because it just feels like you're just like I'm going to make people remember. Like it, I don't know. Those two lines back to back are just really awkward to me, and like. Again, no one actually talks like that. Um, so I hated it. I hated that part of it. I think Tom Cruise is really good in this movie. Right? He um, is. Cuba Gooding Jr. is good. Um, I don't know how I feel about Renee Zellweger. I don't like her. I don't like no, her I voice. Like, I like her. I don't like the face. I don't know if that's to her face. I don't like her. I think I just really didn't like this character. She just didn't have a brain in her head. Yeah. No, she's poorly written. Yeah. But I think she's but yeah, it's like as I, I was kind of saying, it's like he goes through a breakdown. We never see him go like break it down necessarily, because there's a scene very early in the beginning where he like dives into a pool fully clothed, and you're meant to sort of imply like, oh, he just kind of like went on like this, like like he cracked. Um, so that's kind of interesting where it's like what happens like after, you know, it's not about having a revelation so much as it's about like dealing with the fallout of your revelation. And so I think that idea is kind of interesting. Um, and, yeah, like, the bromance between him and Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, is, like, pretty good and, like, heartwarming and stuff. And I, um, you know, it's, on the one level, it's, like, this is, like, a very, like, up, it's a very, like, up-with-people movie. Like, you know, I think that's that's good. I think it's pretty funny at points. I, I laughed a couple times. Like, the part where he, he kisses Renee's over and he's like, I feel like Clarence Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Is at once very dated, but also kind of funny. And when he's just like, well, the best part is when Tom Cruise is like, I'm not going to fool it out. And he just like, you know, moves his arms over the place. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of... Uh, okay, the other thing about this movie, um, as a sports fan, one thing I have never seen happen is a player go on an interview show and then in the middle of the interview show, the person interviewing goes, oh, by the way, I just got this letter from the Arizona Cardinals, and they're going to offer you like a five-year, however many million-dollar contract. That's not how you negotiate contracts in sports. You don't give it to news people who then tell the people on your show. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> I have I mean, no yeah, idea. But also, that's like the least concerned I am about this movie. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. 
And I think like this movie's also just kind of like a mess. Like it's just so much goes on. Like he gets married, and what I did appreciate about this too is that like their whole marriage is like they get married, but that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, it's like he has to kind of like work on his marriage, and like he's clearly like not stoked once they've been married. It's another thing where he like kind of has this revelation. He takes this like risk, but he's like I don't have to deal with taking that risk. Um, Mike likes this movie. I don't like it. I, I think it I think it throws around some interesting ideas. I don't think it's executed super well. And like you said, the like, oh, he can't be alone, but he's very in, but but he's bad at intimacy. Like, yeah, you never really see that illustrated. It's like, oh the way it's sort of supposed to illustrate is that he travels a lot for his job and so he can't hang out with his wife and stuff, so um Okay. Yeah. Right. That that that's all I had to say about Jerry Maguire. What was it nominated for? Good question. It was nominated for best editing, nominated for best original screenplay. Cuba Gooding Jr. won best supporting actor. Tom Cruise was nominated for best actor and was nominated for best picture. The next movie, everyone's favorite movie, The Secrets and Lies. Skip. <laughs> Directed by Mike Lee. Uh, written by Mike Lee. The Senator? Yes. Um, starring Timothy Spall, Brenda Blithen, Phyllis Logan, Marine Jean-Baptiste, Claire Rushbrook, Ron Cook, Leslie Manville, Elizabeth Barrington, Michelle Austin, Lee Ross, Emmett Amos, Hannah Davis, and a bunch of other British people you've never heard of. It is about this family, I guess. It's sort of like three different segments where it's like there's this one couple and they're trying to have a kid but they can't. They're real sad about it. And then the husband has a sister who lives in, like, a really poor area of London who has, like, a 20-year-old daughter who's, like, real mean to her. And then it's about this woman named Hortense whose mother has just died, and Hortense was adopted, and she decides... Hortense. Hortense. What a weird name. Yeah. (laughs) And so she decides that she wants to find her birth parents... Um, and she gets the file from the adoption agency, and then record scratch, it says her mother is white, which is weird, because Hortense is black. And it turns out her mother is, um, Cynthia, who was the woman with the daughter, like, the mean daughter, and then they connect, and they strike up a friendship, and then they all end up going to, uh, Peter Pettigrew's house, <laughs> and, um, for the, the... For the Harsh 21st birthday, and that is when all the secrets and lies come out. Um, Lars, how, what do you, how much do you have to say about this movie? Nothing. I didn't like it. It was really, really, really boring. I didn't pay attention. Next. It was 30 minutes of plot stretched out to two hours and 30 minutes? No, this could have been a five-minute short film. <laughs> it really could have, honestly. It really, yeah. it really um, and it was just all crying. Yeah. And it was all ugly crying, too. Um, I didn't... It was... Everyone whispered everything. It was really annoying. Everyone oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whispered everything. Oh, what was the deal with, like, the guy who comes back to, like, clean his photography? Yeah, I, I didn't know that so was So Peter Pettigrew, <laughs> name or whatever. Timothy Spall. It's a photographer. It owns his photography studio. Again, this one has another thing that had, like, weird tone issues for me 
where apparently Peter Pettigrew... I don't know what's his name. That's Tim is called The that. character? I don't know the character. Oh, <laughs> the character's name was Morris, but the weird thing is that British people pronounce the name Maurice as Morris. So his name is spelled M-A-U-R-I-C-E, but it's pronounced Morris. Okay, so Morris is a photographer. <laughs> and I don't know, what I was picking up was that like they're not poor, but they're not... Incredibly they're like middle, they're like middle yeah. but the way that they portray them at the end is incredibly wealthy and I don't know if that's compared to the sister who is in a like lives in a poor area or what mm-hmm. but it was just a weird all of a sudden the wife who's been in bed I mean I guess that makes sense she's been in bed because her uterus hurts her all day is now dressed up in like a, this like to the nines basically but again maybe she's playing on a good show you don't know but at one point this guy comes back the guy who Peter Pettigrew bought the photography suit off of, comes back to try to claim it again. That was a weird scene. Yeah. Basically, I didn't like this movie. It was a no... I think I said thank God when it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be bitter about it. It was just so long and slow. Mm-hmm. And I was reading reviews on Letterboxd and I was like, this is what family really is. Like, this is so true. I'm like... Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I understand the themes maybe are interesting. And like, yes, we all have our secrets and we all have our lives. But like, I don't need to watch two hours and 30 minutes of people crying about them. Yeah. I So I, I like to pride myself as being like a pretty non-distracting movie watcher. Unlike Lars, who's on his laptop the entire time when we were watching this. I knew five minutes in, I did not care. <laughs> um, but I checked my phone so much during this movie, and each time I did, I was like, how have ten mi- only ten minutes passed? <laughs> this was a chore to get through. Um, it is, yeah, it's so slow, so little happens. And so I was reading about sort of like, Mike Lee is like a really famous director. I've never seen any of his movies before this. Um, I really didn't know much about him. But I was reading about him, and apparently a thing he likes to do is, like, he doesn't really write scripts so much, so, like, write stories, and he'll, like, know what what he wants, like, a scene to be and what he wants it to be about, but he has the actors improvise a lot of their lines, Um, and I feel like it's kind of the problem with this movie is that it's just, like, a bunch of actors, like, yes-anding each other Mm -hmm. to the point where it's, like, they never really say anything interesting because, like, they're kind of making it up on the fly, and it's, it's just sort of, like... Yeah, I went to the, it's just a lot of, like, there's just not a lot of just stuff, hap- like, you know. I, I don't know, I've just never been into watching just people be emotional for the sake of being emotional. And, I, again, I think there's some cleverish things about this movie that are maybe kind of obvious where it's, like, you know, there's kind of an inversion where it's, like, the the uh, the black character is actually pretty like wealthy, whereas like the white character is, is like a working class um, sort of thing, and like you know it's the opposite where it's like yeah you find out that oh it's like it's supposed to be like oh your secret parents are like really rich, it turns out your secret parents are not, um, and I think the uh, yes, so she's black, the daughter, yeah, and the. The mother, Cynthia, is like, you can't be my daughter because I've never... Yeah. And then, then did so, she realize I that... have a theory about that. <laughs> I think what happens is that, like, whatever whatever encounter led to the birth of Hortense was, like, not, like, a... She was, like, assaulted I think something. I think you're right. That's what I was picking up on, but it didn't, like... They didn't need to say that, yeah. but they didn't imply it 
forcefully enough. Because at the end, when she's like, she, she's. This movie's so bad, but like, but, but at the end when she reviews, so basically they, they go to the White Daughters' twenty first birthday party, um, and they uh, she brings Hortense, which is like a Hortense is a, like a friend from work, and then she ends up revealing that it isn't. Everyone gets really upset, and um, they're all crying and they're having these like cathartic moments, and. Um, and and she's like she says to what's her own daughter's name? I don't want to just call her the white daughter, but she says to her, "It's like your father was an American named this, and uh, he Roxanne was her name. Father was Amer- an American, and you know one day he just kind of up and left, but he was a good man." And the is like, "Was my father a good man?" She goes, "Oh, sweetheart, don't break my heart." So like I assume that's kind of like you know yeah um, what happened there. Uh, yeah, this movie I think. It looked pretty good. I feel like a lot of the scenes were, like, pretty well composed. Like, the scene where Hortense yeah. and Cynthia first meet, and they're just kind of, they're sitting at, like, this booth, and it's, like, sitting on the same side, like, and it's just kind of on them for a really long time. And at one point, it's, like, a terrible scene because she's crying the entire time. Like, literally, if you, <laughs> if you took a shot every time Brenda Blythin, like, realizes something sad and then cries and turns away from the camera, you would be dead. Like, but, um, I just think that was, Don't was do that. really interesting to have that just be like one still shot that lasts for a long time. Um, there's a lot of shots of Peter Pettigrew and his wife in their kitchen that were really nice. Yeah. I really like Peter Pettigrew's wife's accent. She has this like nice Scottish accent. Um, but, like, yeah, this movie, it stuffs basically any action or, like, conflict at the end. Where, like, all the secrets and lies. And Peter Pettigrew goes, secrets, lies, can't we all hit together? Or something like that. It was, like, really, dude? Like, it's, it's like, I literally out loud said, that's the name of the movie. Because it's, like, that's basically what it did. Um, it's just basically, like, a crappy soap opera, actually. And, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, but it's, like, shot really well, so people think it's art. Um... That um, yeah, it, it was yeah. It, it was nominated for stuff though. It was nominated for original screenplay. Uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste, who plays Hortense, was nominated for best supporting actress. Brenda Blythin, who cries all the time, was nominated for, nominated for best actress. Mike Lee for best director and for best picture, of course. Last movie we have is Shine. Oh God, just <laughs> get directed by Scott Hicks. Um, and it was written by somebody. It was written by Scott Hicks, starring Armin Mueller-Stahl, Noah Taylor, Jeffrey Rush, Lynn Redgrave, and John Gielgud. It's about David Helfgott. He's this. It starts off. He's this kid in Australia. He's really good at playing the piano. His father is a Hungarian immigrant. Yeah. yeah. And a Holocaust survivor, and he's really pushing to get really good at the piano. Um, <clears throat> And they, they meet this teacher. He's like, I want you to teach him piano, but the teacher wants to teach him one way. And his dad wants to learn another way. And his dad enters him in all these competitions and gets really upset when he doesn't, like, win the competitions. And he wants him to play Rachmaninoff's third, which is a really hard piece, and all this stuff. And eventually, he wins a scholarship to a music school in the United States. Not like Juilliard. Like, Oxford? So he, but first, he wins a scholarship to the U.S. Oh, no. And he's planning to go, and he has, like, his... 
is like housing all set up and then his dad's like no you can't go you're gonna learn from me still if you leave you're not gonna be a member of this family um and then eventually he does win a scholarship to Oxford. No, it's not Oxford, is it? It's, it's, it's like the British School of Music. Yeah. Um, the Royal College of Music in London, um, which might be a college. It is not. Um, and so he ends up going and says, like, that's it, you're through. Um, he goes, he learns to play rock on of three. He plays in a competition. He wins the competition, but he also kind of goes crazy. Um, and he has a, a mental breakdown. One and, of those this year yeah. in the Oscars. And then he ends up back in Australia. He tries to get in contact with his family. They ignore him. So he just kind of becomes this guy wandering around. He becomes pretty like destitute. He ends up in a mental asylum. And uh, eventually he's taken in by this family where he meets a woman he ends up marrying. And then he plays piano again. Um, nice. What did we think of this movie? Honestly, don't remember only two, now that you like that description actually makes it seem a lot nicer than I originally thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. nice. Like, I would want to watch that movie, but I watched that movie and I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. This movie to me is like one really good sequence and a lot like, of not good. The middle part yeah. with the piano and then when he's at college or whatever. When he's at the Royal College of London, it's actually really good and he's, it's, it's like this really great sequence where it's like him practicing, but also him like going insane and sort of like he's all like it's all interstitial and cut in between and stuff like that. And it ends with him like collapsing on stage. And it's all, uh, that part's really well made. Yeah. Um, that's it. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, just the other parts, like it's just very cliche. I thought like the beginning where it's like with like the very strict father, I thought all his lines were like super cliche. Yeah. And then when he is an adult and he's played by Jeffrey Rush, just the way people treated him rubbed me the wrong way, like, a lot. Because he was clearly needed help. Yeah. And there were people who were clearly sort of, like, taking advantage of his abilities and, like, kind of, like, fetishizing him and, like, indulging him in a way. And it just kind of felt a little icky, like... And they wouldn't, like, let him play the piano at his mental hospital? Yeah. I was like, what? Why? That's like the one thing he knows he can do. Yes, yeah. that's me. But it's like he he meets like it's like he 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 uh, he's kind of wandering around in the rain. He knocks on the window of this restaurant. This woman works there, and she kind of just like is like oh he like takes him in basically. Um, and she's like he ends up hanging out there a lot and like playing the piano and stuff. And that's how he meets Lynn Redgrave, who's a friend of this woman, and they like. He asks her to marry him because they hang out a bunch, and then she's like, she's an astrologist, and like she enters in like his sufferer's nail birth chart, and there's just this like montage of like all this like really non-specific astrological imagery while she's like reading it, and then apparently realizing like, ah, oh, I should marry this person, and they get married. <laughs> I don't remember that scene, and I'm the astrologer of yeah. us. Um, I vaguely remember that, and I regularly remember thinking like, it's not. <laughs> not in this movie and then they get married um which yeah it's like I don't know maybe I'm being ignorant but like it just seemed like yeah he needed help and these people weren't getting him help mm-hmm. I also just didn't think this movie like looked really good it no, looked no. like it looked like it was from like the 80s but it was from 1996 it looked um, like something you'd watch on like, the Hallmark Channel yeah, it just, like, the production value, I didn't think, was really there. And it's like you said, it's like, 
It's like sole purpose was basically to get Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. The Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And I just like the way they like react to. It's like the Lynn Redgrave first sees him and he's on a trampoline wearing nothing but a trench coat, jumping up and down, jumping with children. Yeah. And Lynn Redgrave is like so charmed. I'm like, you shouldn't be charmed. Like, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> like, why are you not like concerned? Um, yeah, it just like I don't know. It's weird how they treated his mental illness as like a a quirk and not as like a you know as not as more not as more not as a more serious thing. In the twenty first century, I hope we can all be open about our illnesses. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Um, it just seemed like they kind of trivialized it a bit. Where it's yeah. no, they make it seem like like they make it like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's all I have to say about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was also nominated for stuff. It was nominated for Best Editing, Dramatic Score, Original Screenplay. Armin Miller Stahl, who plays his dad, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Rush won Best Actor. Uh, Scott Hicks was nominated for Best Director, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, okay, that does it for 1996. Thank God. You are a voter of the Academy. It's 1997 now. You get a ballot with the English patient Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, and Shine on it. What do you vote for? Can we all just say the answer at the exact same time? It's three, two, one. Fargo. Fargo. Yeah, okay. Like, it's not hard. This is the easiest decision I've ever made in my entire life. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, it's <laughs> kind of weird how it's just like in a completely different class than the rest of these movies. And it didn't win. Yeah. And the weird thing is, too, is there were, like, other good movies released this year that were nominated for Best Picture. Um, specifically, Train Spotting and Swingers. Like, Train Spotting is, like, if you ever want kids to not do heroin, just show them Train Spotting, and they'll get scared out of it really quick. And Swingers is maybe, like, the best movie made about male bonding of, like... Did you say male bondage? Male bonding. <laughs> Of, like, the last 25 years. So, those movies, definitely way more deserving than All But Fargo, pretty much. <laughs> also, Mission Impossible was a great movie that came out that year. Independence Day should probably not have been nominated. No. But I, I, I just like <clears throat> It was nominated for a lot of technical awards this year, which um, makes sense. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, no. Oh. Muppet Treasure Island's a great movie. It is. Yeah, like if, <laughs> it was way better than at least three of those movies. Yeah. Um, Makes you feel actual feelings. God yeah. damn. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Well, we're on to bigger and better things, because next episode we'll be doing 1997. What movies were nominated in 1997, you ask? Well, I'm about to tell you. They were, as good as it gets... The Full Monty, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, and Titanic. Yes! I really want to watch Titanic, but... After this year. I'm excited to watch at least three of those movies. Me! Yeah! Yeah. Um, That's it. Thanks for listening. Um, My name's Mike Levito. You can follow me on Twitter, at MLevito, and on Letterboxd. My name's Amara Mike. My name is Catherine Levito, and you can find me on Letterboxd. I write very brief reviews at Catherine Levito. I've been Lars, and you can find me on Letterboxd at, at Lars Emerson. 
Thanks so much for watching. Um, listening. Listening. Yeah. We've really enjoyed you listening. Uh, leave comments wherever you find this. Let us know what you think about 1996. Do you disagree? Do you think it was the greatest year for <laughs> the greatest year? If so, we'd like to know. Invite you on the show and tell you how you're wrong. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, we'll be back soon with our look at 1997. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye.